man, I really do. But good to be with you folks once again. And uh, I pray for this ministry on a daily basis. You've had your challenges, but haven't we all? But, you know, like I said in Sunday school, listen to me carefully. Listen, did you know that God is not depressed? He is not defeated. He is not discouraged. He is not downcast. He's our God, and if He's your Savior, neither should you. But the devil wants to rob us of victory and power and authority in His name. Amen. And it's going to get worse in the last days. Isn't that so uplifting now that I told you that? I often tell people, if your day is not bad today, be patient. It's coming. It's going to get worse for you. But God's grace, nothing can come into your life but what God allows it. But anyway, take your Bible, turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 18, and, and uh, Pastor Chris insisted that I'd let you about by 3 o'clock, and I said, I'll think about it. No, <laughs> he did <laughs> Pat says, I know you, that is not true. <laughs> you just ignore what I said there. I'm just teasing. <laughs> I love to pick on people. <laughs> oh, amen. But in 1 Kings chapter 18, I want to preach on a subject I've not preached on in, in a long, long time. When Elijah prayed and the fire came down. I remember when I heard a preacher, famous preacher, don't remember the name now, but I remember he was a well-known preacher when I was in Bible college, preached on the need of God's presence and power of the life of the child of God in the ministry. And he preached from this chapter, and God put a stirring in my heart. And I think more than ever before, we need to be stirred and reminded that God is still sufficient, that God is all-powerful. The devil said, give up, just give in. We'll never get out of this mess. That's a lie. The devil walks on your mind and your emotions. And the devil says it's so bad there's no way out of this thing. He's a liar. God is greater than every trial, every circumstance, every situation. They that wait on the Lord. That's what I, you know, I preached on that this morning in Sunday school of Psalm 37. I love that chapter, but it's convicting, but it's also encouraging. Trust in the Lord. When things go bad, amen. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. But I don't want to. I'm enjoying my misery and my pity committee kid. I'm a cloud, amen, or, uh, or friends or whatever. I often said this. Often, you know, I'm pretty good at a committee. The woe is me committee. The why is me committee. And why don't you give it to somebody else's committee? <laughs> but God knows what you need. How many believe in Romans 8, 28? You know what that verse says? For some things work together for good. Is that what it says? No. For all things work together for good. Are you kidding me? This thing? When you give it to the Lord. It doesn't mean that thing is nice or pleasant. But God said, when you give it to me, I'll make something good for you in your life and for the lives of others to touch and minister. But that's hard, isn't it? It's very difficult. But in 1 Kings chapter 18, I'm going to read just verses... Um, Oh, we'll try verses 1 through 16, 17, pray, and then I'm going to read some more of the verses because I don't want to bypass any of the things that are taking place in this particular chapter. But notice in verse 1, 1 Kings chapter 18, and how we need the power of God, how to rekindle His presence, His power, His manifestation. Do we need it today? In times like these, I like that song, we need a Savior. In times like these, we need the Bible. Amen. But notice in verse 1 of chapter 18, and it came to pass after many days. By the way, the nation of Israel, it was divided. This was the northern kingdom. I mean, wickedness, sin, rebellion. They were worshiping Baal worship. I mean, 
lot of rebellion, a lot of sand. They were under the judgment of God. There was a curse on the nation. Been no rain. There was a famine. There was a drought. Hardly no water. I mean, crops were dying. Farms were collapsing because of sin. And Elijah is the one that God said, now I want you to pray. No rain. But God said, I'm not through. See, when the storms come, remember there's God who sees everything about your life and says, I want to bring you through this if you let me. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go, show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. There had been no rain for a long time. And Elijah went to show himself unto Ahab, and there was sore famine in Samaria. And Ahab called unto uh, called Obadiah, which was the governor of his house. In other words, they went to look for water and so on. But I'm moving down for the sake of time. They were dividing themselves with their flocks to find water. And then notice in verse, oh, I think it is verse 7, and as Obadiah was, was in the way, verse 7, behold, Elijah met him, and he knew him, and fell on his face and said, Art thou uh, that uh, my Lord Elijah? And he answered him, I am. And then Elijah said, Notice, go and tell thy Lord, or Ahab, he was a wicked king, and um, behold, Elijah is here. And then he becomes panicked. Fear sets in instead of trust and faith. And he said, what have I sinned that thou wouldest deliver thy servant into the hand of Ahab? Now, if I tell him you're there, bottom line is, and you're not there, I'm in trouble, amen. This is not good for me. My life is cut short. And then he talks about, don't you know I took care of the prophets of God and fed them? And you, I mean, listen. And so Ahab assures him, he said, um, and now what is it? In verse, um, verse 14, we'll start there. Now, uh, now thou sayest, go tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here, and he shall slay me. And Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts liveth before whom I stand, I will surely show myself unto, the, unto him today. I'm not going to leave. This is the will of God. I'll be here. And notice, and it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? You are the reason we're in the mess. I mean, our people are starving. Our livestock are dying. Our crops are failing. You're the one. You're the cause. And then um, in verse 18, and he answered it, I have not troubled Israel. But let's just get to the point, the real problem. What's going on? Why are we in a mess today? Notice, but thou and thy father's house and that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and that thou hast followed Balaam, false worship, Baal worship. And what's shocking, that's happening in Europe today, they're having Baal worship, the worship of a Baal. Unbelievable. That's where they would often sacrifice their kids to this God. And then in verse 19, And therefore said, and gathered to me all of Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal, four hundred <coughs> And fifty, and the prophets of the groves, four hundred, and he eat, which eat at Jezebel's table. That was Ahab's wife, very wicked person. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word, afraid of the king, afraid to commit. Afraid to trust, afraid to believe. And then verse 22, then Elijah, uh, no, then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I only remain as a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450, plus the other one, other 400. And then notice, let them therefore give us 
uh, two bullocks, and let them choose one bullock for themselves, and cut in pieces, and lay it on the wood, and put it on the fire under, and I will dress the other bullock, and lay it on, and, and lay it on the wood, and put no fire under. And ye call on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, It is well spoken. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful for this example in the Bible that there was a man, there was a prophet that was willing to say and declare that God is God. He was willing to stand for his Savior, stand for his God. Lord, help us to recognize in the times in which we live how we need a walk with God, how we need the power of God. Lord, the wickedness is too powerful, the sin is too great, lives are too devastated, the task is too great. We cannot serve God nor overcome in our flesh nor energy, but it's by your strength and your mercy and your grace. Lord, we cannot live the Christian life without your presence. And Father, remind us that you live in us to live through us. I pray for every individual here. Holy Spirit, open their eyes. God, meet the need of their heart. How I pray, God, for the power of God on this city, Lord. There's so many that are devastated in this city. And Father, all across Canada and around the world, there's so many people that are broken and battered. How they need to see Christians who know God, that He's real, and He loves them. In Jesus' name, amen. As I thought about this chapter, I was reminded of 2 Chronicles 7, 14, a verse all of us should know, if you've been saved any length of time at all. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Bottom line is, God is not reluctant to bless. He's waiting for you and I to seek. We need the power of God more than ever before. When I think about the great revivals of the past, how I yearn for God to do something great again. Here's some things that I hear sometimes from Christians and even sometimes from preachers. Well, the days of revival are over. We just have to do the best we can until Jesus comes. Baloney. Hogwash. That's not the Greek. That's just my interpretation. Amen. Thought I would throw that in there. And the bottom line is, listen, God is not limited but by you and I. You and I, listen, if you're a child of God, He wants you to know His presence, His power. He wants you to know the power of God. I like what Paul told Timothy, stir up the gift of God which is in you. That means to rekindle, reignite. You've let the fire go down in your life, your passion, your power, the anointing of God in your life. It is not there. And the devil will do everything in these days to discourage you and I from standing firm and believing that our God, there's nothing too hard for the Lord. Amen? Don't let people's faces cause you to tremble. Don't let the circumstances nor the government cause you not to believe that God still can. Amen. Listen, you're a child of God. There's no limit to what you can do when your life is yielded to God. And that thrills me. And, that, and I have to be reminded, because sometimes all I can see is, man, that's bad, and man, and this is bad, and oh, man, this is overwhelming. What are we going to do? We're going to trust the Lord. Amen. Keep in mind, during the time when Elijah was there, he was outnumbered, 850 against one. Yet he wasn't afraid, because he was obeying God. He was believing God. He was trusting God, and God did something miraculous. I can remember and I've told the story here years ago, and I yearn for that time. I remember when I was in Bible College, Lynchburg Baptist College, when they first opened in 1970, 
and Kathy and I started uh, about six months later after they started. And it, boy, at that time, I mean, the Word was being exalted, being taught and preached there. And tragically, it's not where it used to be. But the bottom line is, I'm thankful for what I learned. And I remember about 1973 or whatever, Brother Mark Thrift was there as well. I remember Del Faisenfeld came. And um, he was a preacher. He preached on righteousness, holiness, that God is holy. And this was a two-week meeting. Could you imagine that? Not only was it a two-week meeting, it was morning and night. He said, oh, man, don't do that, preacher. No, no, no. Well, that meeting went on for three or four weeks. And I remember one morning, I don't remember what it was, Tuesday morning or something. I don't remember. I was exhausted, because plus I was working, and Kathy was working, and we still went to, we were required to be in the class, and I'm glad that I was there that morning. And uh, trying to work, go to Bible college, and oh man, I, I was thinking, I'm here, but I'm not here. And uh, I remember Del Faisenfeld, he's passed away now, but he, he was walking up on the platform to walk behind the pulpit, and before he could get there, the presence of God fell on that place. And by the way, some things we call revival, I don't think it's revival. And I remember he walked up, and the presence of God was so real, and, and there was 3,000 people there that morning. And all of us and everybody just felt the heaviness and the presence and the awesomeness of God. We fell on our face and started weeping before God. Undone. Oh God, unworthy am I apart from the Son of God. Holy is the Lord. Righteous and holy is He. There was weeping. All of a sudden, staff members started getting saved. Well, that's good. Good to have saved staff members. Amen. And all of a sudden, students started repenting and getting right with God. And that went on for months. I mean, I can remember every class, revival, the presence of God would break out. I don't think any class could finish for at least three months because God's presence. I mean, nobody said, let's just, oh, we got to dance. No, nobody was seeing it. They were sitting there getting ready and also the presence of God. And people start getting on their knees praying, oh, God, please save sinners. Oh, God, our city is wicked. and Oh, God, we need God today more than ever before. Every class, math, God's got to be in that. English, Kathy taught English, so I mean, revival, I always teach us that God really had to be in that, amen. <laughs> but to what, and then what was really amazing, they, this was live television at the time. And I remember Jerry Falwell would get up to preach, and all of a sudden, before he, he would read his text one time, one time he read his text, and people started flooding the altars, crying out, What must I do to be saved? There was no dancing or singing, but they were broken under the heavy conviction of the presence of God. Young people, oh God, I need to get saved. People began to surrender to full-time service for the Savior. I saw people come to the platform, fall on their faces. Preacher, I have sinned. I have gossiped. I've tried to divide the church. Would you forgive me? I mean, every service, and I can see Brother Falwell, well, let's see if we can finish the service today. <laughs> but I mean, and, and they were averaging 50 souls a service coming and repenting, getting saved. I've never seen anything like it. But can I say, I want to see it again. You know, when God brings to that place of brokenness, God still can. There's nothing there is no person too hard for God to deliver nor God to save. There is no city too hard for God to break through. But God works through yielded people. See, there were things that happened. I remember this preacher preaching on this text. And there were certain things that happened before the fire fell. The fire represents the presence of God, the approval of God, the anointing of God. No, there was no speaking in tongues. Or, it was just Jesus. 
Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He was worthy. It's not about man. It's about God. The bottom line is God has commissioned us to go out and to reach the world. But dear friend, you and I have no abilities apart from His presence in, in our life. God does not want you to go out in your energy because you can't do it. He doesn't want you to strive to live the Christian life. You have not the capability. God lives in you to live through you. But I got to yield to that power. I got to claim that anointing. People are broken. They don't need our personalities. They need the Son of God. They don't need our wit. They need Jesus. And only God can penetrate the blindness and the hardness of the hearts today. And only God can turn it around. God did great things. There was a man willing to stand. And he made an impact. I thought about, by the way, and I'm not going to read the other verses for the sake of time, but when you read it, I mean, the, the challenge was given to the false prophets. You cannot question their sincerity. I mean, they labored all day long. They were leaping. They were dancing. They were cutting the air. I mean, their, their blood was gushing out of their body. And Elijah having a little bit of fun. Well, where's your God? Is he asleep? What's happened to your God? For my God still lives. You can't question their sincerity, but tragically, that's like a lot of believers sometimes. We're trying to serve God. We're laboring. We're taught, but we forgot God. We forgot the relationship to seek ye first the kingdom, to know God, not to be emptied. God wants you to know his presence and his power. But see, there's things that had to be in place. I thought about Jeremiah. He walked with God. He heard God in the midst of great apostasy and great wickedness, far greater than what you and I are facing. Our, our nation, we need God. Every nation needs God today more than ever before. Well, what's the hope? The child of God that knows God. And that's God worked up. Jeremiah heard from God. He made an impact. Isaiah, depressed and discouraged, ready to quit, I believe. But in Isaiah chapter 6, he walks in the temple of God and God allows him to see the glory and the majesty and the greatness of heaven. Now he's encouraged. Now he's fired up. God, see, he needs to be reminded that God still reigns. God loves you. Don't ever limit God in your life. Don't let the devil tell you that God can't use you. Don't let the devil tell you that God can't send a revival. God can. But he works through you and I. Don't look at others. Look to God for revival. Say, well, preacher, that's a preacher. No, you say, I want God in my life. How many have hurting family? You've got people that are really in bondage and broken. I've got several. Yeah, there's a lot of people that are hurting in churches that are hurting. You know what? They need you to walk with God and know God. For only God can set the captive free. You can't. Only Jesus. But Isaiah made an impact. Moses made a difference. He understood the need of walking with God and knowing God. Nehemiah did. Heard from God. A man just, hey, a king's cupbearer. That was, you know, a pretty prestigious job. But the bottom line is, he was willing to do whatever it took to make an impact. And he did. And different, I think of George Weishart, one of the first Martyrs in Scotland gave his all for Christ, the Son of God. David Brainerd, William Carey, on and on and on. But the bottom line is, the time has come for you and I to say, Lord Jesus, send me. Lord, help me to recognize you've put me here in this ministry, in this town. Lord, help me to, I need the power of God. I need to be, I need to be reminded that God still can. 
no matter what the battles. If you, know, if you were honest this morning and something say, man, my burdens are really heavy, that's okay. God loves you. My, my, my past is too bad. Not for God. <laughs> Amen. What do we need? Well, I need more Bible study. That's great. Need to be in church? Yeah, but you need the power of God. You need to seek God. You need to know God and His power. Say, Lord Jesus, you touch that heart. Never forget when I was in Florida, another Bible college I went to, and um, I was down there working on a construction job. My job was to tear down buildings. Well, I'm pretty good at tearing things down. That wasn't a problem. Boom, man. The guy said, hey, you're pretty good. I said, yeah, I can tear them up. Building is another thing. But anyway, I had two other guys that, uh, that worked there with me, and they were wild. And they would, off, they would harass me. They'd make fun of God and Christ and say, you're a fanatic, you're a Bible thumper, look at you and all that weird stuff. And oh man, they would laugh. You go to Bible, oh, what a waste of life. And man, there's no fun in that and all like this. And he said, and one day he made a statement. He said, I want you to prove there's a God. And he walked away. That night I said, God, I don't know how to do it. But I, I prayed, I sought God that night like I never sought him before. The next day I went by and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit said, look at him. And fear set in. He started trembling. And God said, I just spoke to his heart that I am real. And that man, in fear, started, I'm almost running. I said, dear friend, God will prove himself. God will take care of you. And then, you, you know what? You don't need to defend God. You, you walk with God, he'll defend you and himself. Amen. <laughs> but sometimes standing for God, you feel like, I might, they may laugh at me. Oh, yeah, they'll laugh. But you know what I found out? When I was in the military, things were going bad. The guys would act really tough. But when they were alone, they're fearful of dying. They'd come to me and says, I heard you're a Christian. Can you pray with me? <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> yeah, because death is real. Death is permanent. Can I ask you something? Do you know what it means to know and experience the presence and the power of God in your life? God, don't just exist. That's terrible. That's terrible, man. I'm here. Okay, bless me if you can. No, I don't want that. I want to know God. I want to know His presence. Lord, I want you to move. Now, this is all my introduction. I got it. Ah. Brother Jones, you move that clock up fast. That you did? I figured that. I'm teasing. <laughs> Let me just get, there's some things that I noticed that had to be said in order before the fire came. And there's a principle of things that need to be said in order in your life and my life. That I remember that preacher preaching it, and I outlined it years ago. And I just want to share some thoughts with you, because I need this today. So many hurting people and ministries. With all the junk and the garbage and family members and people around us and all the things that we're confronted with. Plus Satan throws all these negative thoughts in our mind. We need God today. God, the church can't, you know, personality. If you build a church and personality, hey, it ain't going to last. But let God do it. God knows what to do and how to do it. But I noticed some things that had to be said in order before God's presence was manifested. The ministry, the life. Number one, the altar had to be repaired. Verse 30, it had been neglected. Israel had neglected their worship, their God, their sacrifice. And sometimes, you know, in my Christian life, hey, I'm saved, but I'm mechanical. I go through the reading of the scriptures. I may go through my prayer life, but man, I have to be honest, I'm overwhelmed, or maybe I'm distracted, maybe I'm discouraged. I don't know, but sometimes God has to stir me and remind me, Dave, you forgot 
to walk with me. The altar represents your worship, your relationship, your dependence, your yieldingness to God Almighty. Can I ask you, how's your relationship? Because God will be no greater in your life than your worship of Him and your love for the Son of God. God created me for Him. God redeemed me that I might know God and enjoy His fellowship. What does this town need? They need God. Not a dead God, but one that's alive. And He wants to live through you and I to make an impact. Don't try to make an impact. Let God make the impact. Just be real. Lord, I can't. God said, I know that. When I'm ready to give up, God says, now I can do something. So let me ask, how's your worship? How's your relationship? Has your altar been defective? Has it been torn down in your Is there something else in your heart rather than the Son of God? Sometimes I let things and don't even realize it affect my work. Before you know it, I've let someone take the place. If I'm not careful, my grandchildren. No, no. Jesus has to be first. Or some person that I'm burdened for. No, no, no. Jesus has to be Lord of all. Above everything. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And there's many verses I can read, but I'm not going to read for the sake of time. But I like the song, Come, Let Us Adore Him. How's your love life? With Christ. How's your love life? How's it going? You've been in the Word. Have you been on your knees? Have you sought God today? Paul said, For me to live is Christ and to die is again. Then second of all, verse 33. I noticed something else. You can write it down or just mark it, but I'm not going to read it for the sake of time. Something else that had to be present before the fire fell, and the sacrifice had to be offered. How about that? So, but see, why does it begin with the altar? Oh, that's first in your life, above everything. Your relationship with God, that's where you determine failure or success every day. Lord, I want to begin with you, walk with you, because I can't minister to others until God, I let God minister to me. Then there's the sacrifice. It's not just saying, I love you, but now, Lord, here's my sacrifice. What sacrifice is it for you and I? You're all. You're everything. And by the way, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. What does it say? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies, what? A dead sacrifice? A living sacrifice. By the way, do you know that when they offered a lamb or whatever, kind, whatever animal they were sacrificing, that lamb had no rights. It had no possessions. It only had one purpose, and that was to please the master, the owner. And the Son of God, Jesus said, I will become your servant. I will be your sacrifice. I set aside all rights and privileges to be your servant, to die for you. Wow. God. Then he says, now would you be willing to be that servant for me? But you be willing to get on that altar. Oh God, I'll live for him who died for me. I'll go where you want me to go. But that altar represents your plans, your ambitions, everything. But it also could mean your past. For some people, what's hindering their Christian service, they can't let go of the problems or their battles. For some people, their success or their pride is their downfall. You can't see Jesus because the flesh is in the way. Lord, I don't know how, but to the best of my ability, I'm yours. You know, that's a battle for me every day. It really is, preacher. Oh, my goodness. Oh, man. And when I think I'm, I'm finally getting there, God said, ah, you blew it again, Dave Cook. I said, I know. 
But God is gracious. He doesn't beat us over the head. He said, just get it right. But God wants you to know the presence of God and the power of God. I mean, how can you help others if we don't know the presence ourselves and know the power of God? Seek God. Be determined. I want God. Then watch what God will do. It, there's a lot of false fires claiming that God's in it. But if it doesn't glorify the Son of God, God's not in it. If His name's not exalted, He's not in it. Jesus, Jesus. I mean, I can still remember the presence at that meeting. I remember at times in Europe when I was so broken, downcast, and discouraged. And I remembered some principles. I said, Lord, I need to remember some things. When I'm, there's so many burdens and so many battles, so many hearts. I don't know what to do, nor where to start. So many lives that are messed up. And yet God reminded me, remember, remember the Lord. Remember the altar, your worship. Remember to yield your life to me. Let the increase come from God, not from you. Give me your burdens and battles. Give me the ministry. That's not your job. That's my job. You seek me first. I'll take care of the rest. I forget constantly. And he is so gracious. Well, anyway, but notice, so the sacrifice, that's you. That's everything. Some said, I'm willing to serve God, but only on my terms. Doesn't work that way. Lord, it's all. Yeah, I give it to you. And then thirdly, and we'll bring it to close by two o'clock, teasing. Now, if I go later, it won't be a problem, will it? There you go. Amen. See, pos- uh, taking a negative, making it positive. There you go. <laughs> but I'm hungry. No, just be good for your weight. I'm teasing. But thirdly, verse 33 through 35, the fire didn't fall to the water was poured. Now keep in mind, what was there? There was a drought. There was a famine. There was no water. It was a commodity. They had what little water they had. They were trying to keep it up that they wouldn't starve to death for many of them from thirst. And so here's this prophet, such faith, such courage, bring how many barrels? Four barrels. Soak it. Okay, that's good. And they're thinking, man, what a, that's a lot of money. Back then, that's a lot of money. He said, now, I want you to do it again. Are you kidding me? Don't you know we got kids needing water? This is terrible. Trust God. Serve God. They poured it. And then he's had the nerve to say, now bring another four, 12 barrels of water. People were thirsty. Their animals were dying. Their crops were burned up. He said, bring the other four barrels. Now, I don't know how much was left over, but I guarantee there wasn't much. But you know what? You see some of their faith beginning to grow. They did it. God didn't say, don't do what you can't do. God said, just do what you can. I'll take care of the rest. How about that? Well, I don't have abilities. He's not. Hey, God made you. You let God take care of the, the abilities and the increase. That's God's business. They poured it, soaked it, everything. Water was going everywhere. And I'm thinking, they're probably thinking, oh, what a waste. What a waste. While the other prophets, false prophets, were dying, laying there, blood dripping from them. I'm sorry, I don't mean to be gross, but they were defeated. And he's standing there courageous. Now, the water is symbolic often in the Bible, the Word of God. You think that's an accident? First, you've got to repair the altar. Then you've got to get on the altar. 
Oh. Then he said you got to have the right thing in and on the altar. That's his message. That's his word. That's his sufficiency. If the word's not there, there is no presence. I need to soak and saturate my life with his word in church, at home. Not just church, that's not sufficient. But you need to meditate on the Word of God. You need to have that devotion. Love the Word of God. Read the Word of God. Meditate on the Word of God. And every decision you make, Lord, what does the Bible say? Lord, what is your word? Seek ye first. Is everything you do based on the Word of God and you'll be okay. So you got to have the altar repaired. you got to be on the altar. Lord, I'll serve you. And then you got to be filled with God, His Word. Word is my strength, my food, my substance, my encouragement, my uplifter. I need thee not only every hour, I need thee every second. I am just, more, the older I get, the more I recognize I am really broken without God. I'm more aware of my frailty. And, you know, Pastor and I were talking, I don't want to go back to my younger days. I'm content where I'm at. I just, I want to try to do right. I made enough mistakes. Lord, to serve you, to love you, to help people. My burden is, oh God, will someone here this morning say, Lord, I want God no matter what the cost. I want the power of God. Lord, here's my life. I want God. You want to touch lives? You're not going to do it without His presence, His power, His anointing. Not going to happen. He gives us the outline there. So the water was there. I'm not going to do it. The water saves the sinner. The Word of God comforts and strengthens the church as well as the believer. Restores the family. But then also, fourthly, listen, the fire did not fall till a fervent, passionate prayer was made. And Elijah began to pray. I could imagine the sincerity. But he wasn't praying for himself. Oh, God, I'll be embarrassed. No, he's praying for the people to know that there's a God that loves him, that they've abandoned God and get back to God and loving God more than anything else. Life is but a vapor. Folks, do we don't recognize? I mean, this world's coming up. This world's falling apart. We don't have much time left as believers. It's not time to run and hide and quit. Oh, it's bad. Yeah, it's bad. But listen, it's okay. If you're saved, we're looking for Christ to come again. But until then, how do we survive? Don't just survive, but be an overcomer. Know the power of God. Know the presence of God. Fervent prayer. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 again. If my people, which are called by, name, by my name, shall humble themselves and seek me out there. Pray, I think of men like Praying High that helped me on the mission field when I felt like giving up at times. And I read about his battles and his circumstances and trials and what God did in and through that man and how that he preached, but he was known for his prayer. He turned nations upside down, India upside down, villages upside down. He prayed and God would move and do great and mighty things. See, prayer is not, I mean, the power of God is not going to come until we repair the altar. Get in His Word. Get on the altar. And seek His face. And some, does my, Do I feel like praying all the time? No. Being honest. How about that? Does that blow your mind? But you're a preacher. Yeah, I know. Can you, did you know sometimes I don't even want to preach? I love preaching. But my flesh gets in the way. Ah, don't even want to read the Bible sometimes. But I get in the book. When I'm traveling, I got an app on my phone. I'll just read. It's a Bible app, and I just go through the Scriptures. Go through the scriptures. At night, I play hymns or Bible verses during the night, real soft, because I need that. Because Satan's always, even when you're asleep, there's Satan trying to attack your mind, trying to. I turn that on and say, Lord, thank you for your presence, and I'm trusting in you. How's your prayer life? You won't make an impact 
if you're not praying. Nobody will. Want the power of God? It doesn't just happen. And then I thought about this. Verse 24. You know what? He didn't even doubt that God would move. He wasn't begging and pleading like the false prophets. Oh, yeah, you got to do notice in verse 24. And call ye on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. He didn't even have a doubt at all that God would answer his prayer. How about that? He prayed. He had faith. When things are bleak, it's not time to give up. It's time to get on your knees and seek God. Then in verses 17 and 18, the fire fell, listen, when sin was acknowledged. We have to acknowledge. You know what? I, as I pray often in the morning, early hours, that's when I usually wake up and then fall back to sleep. I'll start praying. I said, God, I not only confess my sins, but the sins of my family, the sins of our nation. For we have failed. We failed greatly. God never moved where sin is harbored, held on to. I have to acknowledge, God, I have sinned, but thank you for the blood that covers my sin. Teach me to stand and do right. And there is, God doesn't hold anything against us. How about that? God wants you to know the joy of the Lord, not the defeat of the world. There's nothing in this world. Nothing last. Then last of all, the result. The result. Verses 38 through 41. And when everything was in place, when all these things were done, notice what happened. God came down. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifices and the wood. And the, the wood burned up. The stones burned up. The dust was, how about that, licked up. The water that was in the trench. And notice that when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces. See, God did something miraculous with one individual that was willing to prove that his God is real. And notice, and they took them, uh, I'm sorry, and uh, on their face, and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. They began to worship and praise the Creator. People had led them astray. Leaders had led them astray, and they had to acknowledge their sin. Lord, it's you. We love you. We worship you. Verse 41, Elijah said unto Ahab, get thee up. And eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. That's another message. By the way, in chapter 17, God prepared Elijah for the challenge of chapter 18. What happened in chapter 17? God was stretching his faith. In one instance, it was the widow. God was preparing him for this challenge. Often the challenge you face is God saying, I want to prepare you for great things. But will you repair the altar? Will you get, would you put yourself on this altar? Would you be willing to live for me? Then would you saturate it with the water and prayer and confession and faith and watch what God will do in His timing. We don't demand of God. We submit to God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. I just want to ask you, do you know the presence? And Have you seen the movement of God in your heart lately? Have you felt His presence? Why don't you come to the Lord? I want to know God, whatever the cost. I want to know His presence. You may have to like I've done often, Lord, I've blown it. I've been wrong. Thank you for loving me. Folks, I want you to know his victory, his success. Don't wait for others to say, Lord, here am I. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Nobody looking around. <clears throat> Nobody looking around. And just for a second, would you seek the face of God?
Would you seek the presence of God? Can I ask you, do you know what it means to know the joy of the Lord of the power of God? Would you ask, say, Lord, and don't raise your hand, but Lord, in your heart, would you say, Lord, I really want to know that power. I really want to know God, whatever the cost. Lord, I want to help others that are hurting and broken. Lord, I need victory. There's the Lord. There's God. You got to seek Him. You got to know Him. You got to want it. Have you been overwhelmed or defeated? Tell it to Jesus. I want to have prayer, then turn the invitation over to the pastor. Father, we're so thankful for thy goodness and mercy. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for thy love. Thank you for this ministry. Thank you for these precious people. Lord, I pray no one leave defeated. How I pray for this city. Lord, may they recognize, Lord, that there's someone in here that can be the light and the hope of this town. People are broken. Jesus is coming soon. Help us not to be unprepared. In Jesus' name, amen.